Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. That sounded terrible. Um, thank y'all for tuning in. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. Um, welcome back to episode two of I don't know why I did I don't know why I said two like that. That's that's weird. Um welcome to episode two. <laughs> of my podcast 20-ish. If you are new here, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. Um, 20-ish is a podcast that I created. This is a space for us millennials. Um, It's a space that I created for all of us to talk about all things. Um, Love, relationships, family, finances, pop culture, current events, Twitter, Instagram, everything. We're going to talk about it all in a very transparent intellectual and intelligent way. And I created this podcast kind of sort of as a um, a manual. I still don't know if that's the right term, but as a lesson plan sort of to speak sort of speak or whatever that phrase is for people who are currently in their early 20s or have not gone through their 20s. Um, and I just kind of wanted to give some kind of tips and tricks of the things that I have learned in my 20s as I journey through my last couple of months of being 29. And I am hoping that we all learn something. We laugh a little bit. We get inspired. But we also, um, this podcast makes you think. And it makes you think about the things in your life that maybe you have not tackled or maybe you're afraid to tackle. And that is kind of why I created this podcast. And it's also just me to get my random thoughts out. <laughs> like, that's really it too. It's just for me to talk to pretty much the air or talk to whoever is listening and talk, tell them about all of the things that go through my like weird mind. Um, but again, like I said, thank you so much for tuning in. We are on episode two. The name of this episode, I don't think I told you guys what the name of this episode is, but So the name of the episode is called Blind Spots, and I'm going to get into um, in a little bit what that means and what my concept or my idea of this episode was going to be about. So without further ado, let's get into it. this episode, I started thinking about the concept of blind spots and basically what is a blind spot. So typically for all of my young listeners who are not either driving or they don't have their driver's license, or maybe you are in a city where it's not required for you to drive, like in New York or a city on the West Coast or even in DC, um, because I have a couple of friends who don't drive and that they live in the city. Um, A blind spot in relation to a car is a is is a space or region where neither your rear view mirror or your side mirrors can pick up on what is on the side of you and that can be on your left or to your right. And so basically what a blind spot does or what a blind spot can do 
is cause an accident. Because if you don't know if a car is on your left or to your right, because you cannot see them through your rear view mirror or your side mirrors, and you try to switch lanes, it can potentially be catastrophic. So those are typically what blind spots are. I have been driving since I was 16. Um, I am from Birmingham, Alabama. I think I said that on the last pod. And Alabama, we don't have public transit. It's either you drive or you get dropped off by your mama. Like there is no in-between. You there is no taking a bus. There is no taking a train. I mean, now we have Uber and Lyft, so that's a little different. But I grew up in the 90s and we didn't have Uber or Lyft. It was either your mama dropped you off, and then when you got you were 16 and of age and could get a driver's license, you could take your mama's car. (laughs) Or if you were lucky enough like me and fortunate enough like me, because obviously I'm talking from a place of privilege, but my parents were actually able to get me a car, but the car was not fancy by any means. And like quick side note, quick antidote. Y'all, my first car was a 1993. Okay, no, no, no. I'm lying. I'm lying. So my first car was actually pretty decent. It was a 1998 Nissan Maxima. It was gold. I used to call her Goldie. I And I also, okay, so Goldie was my car. Goldie was also named the Bugatti when I got to college because I also took that car to college. Okay, so that was my first car. But I used to drive my brother's old car, which was a 1993 Nissan Maxima. My dad has an obsession with Nissan. Don't ask me any questions. I don't know why he loves them, but he literally only bought Nissans for like decades. So I had a Nissan Maxima. It was 98. It had a tape player. It had a CD player. I thought I was doing something because it was gold. And it wasn't, it was a really nice car for a 16, 17 year old. So I've been driving for a long time. Let me know what your first car was. Let me know if it was a rust bucket or if it was like kind of nice or or if you drove your mother's car. So before blind spot alerts and all of this technology with your car, we didn't have that, right? Like when I had my car, my 1998, it didn't have blind spot recognition. It didn't have the little monitors that told you you know, if there was a car in your blind spot or not. We had none of that. We didn't even have back cam- backup cameras. So kids today, y'all are blessed because we did not have backup cameras. We didn't have blind spot recognition. All of this fancy stuff that y'all have with these cars, we didn't have it. And I know I'm like sounding old back in my day, but it's true. We really didn't have any of that stuff with our cars. So you had to really look out for the blind spots in your car when you were driving. It was like imperative or you were going to cause a wreck. So one thing that I did, and I am not, y'all, I'm not recommending that you do this. All of my kids out there that are driving, all of my young children, do not do this, okay? I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not saying this is a great idea. This is just something that I did to help me and see what my blind spots were when I was driving. So one thing that I would do is when I was driving, and low-key, I still kind of do this because the car that I drive now also does not have blind spot alerts and stuff like that. What I would do, I, I would 
drive. And then when it was time for me to switch lanes and I wanted to ensure that there was no car in my blind spot, I would take my eyes off the road for like 0.5 seconds, y'all. It was so quick. And I know it sounds so bad. I shouldn't be saying this, but I did it. I would take my eyes off the road for like 0.5 seconds to look, to see if there was another car to my left or to my right. And then when I immediately, I would like shift my focus back to the what's in front of me. And then I would like switch lanes. Listen, I'm not saying you need to do this. I'm just telling you that's what I did. And it really helped me. It worked because I didn't get in. I, I, re, I was in one accident, but it wasn't because of a blind spot. It was because of something else. And I, I really didn't get into accidents when I was like in, in my teen years. So then I started thinking about blind spots in reference to like our own lives, right? And like how there are things in our lives that we are completely and utterly blind to. And there are things in our life or or I would say actions that we have done to other people that have hurt them. And some of us don't even know anything about it or we're blinded by what we did to hurt them, right? I think I saw on Instagram one day that like at some point you are a villain in someone else's story, right? Even though in your mind, you think you're a great person and you've never done anything wrong or intentionally, you have never intentionally tried to hurt someone. At some point in your life, you have been a villain in someone else's story, right? So like I started thinking about this concept or this idea of blind spots in our lives. What are blind spots in our lives and are they really blind spots, right? So obviously, if you have no clue right? That you or something you have done has hurt someone, you know, there's something to be said about that, right? So there's a difference between just not knowing and then there's a difference. There is also something to be said about intentionally not knowing, right? You decide that you are not going to look into that area of your life because you are not happy or you will not be happy about what that area of life tells you about yourself, right? So you decide not to look into your area of finances because you know that you spend way too much money on takeout and subscriptions, right? Or getting your hair done or your nails done. You know, you spend way too much money about, you know, on that. So you, in sheer like ignorance, intentional ignorance, you're just deciding not to like look into that area of your life. That's a blind spot. That's an intentional blind spot though. That is not a blind spot that I am necessarily talking about in reference to a car, right? A car, in reference to a car, you don't know that the car is there, right? Because the mirrors do not tell you that the car is there. In respect to our lives, I'm not going to label something or I'm not going to call something a blind spot per se if it is something that we are intentionally not looking into because we are unhappy or we are unsure of what it will say about us as a as a person, right? So finances can be one. Relationships, huge one. People don't like to look back on past relationships because they don't like to assess whether or not their behaviors were appropriate in regards to those relationships. Family, 
Sometimes we pretend or we act like things in our family are good or we purposefully do not look at the things in our family that are issues because we will be unhappy with the idea or what that or what that thing in our family, that generational thing, how that is reflected in our life. So there are blind spots that we have that we truly don't know anything about, but there are also blind spots, quote unquote blind spots, that we are intentionally not looking into because we are unhappy or we are uncertain of what that area in our life will say about us as a person. My friend Bush told me to um, watch Love is Blind, which is on Netflix. And I, I really didn't really feel like watching it at first because I was just like, oh, it's just another dating show. Like I'm not watching this. And then like, as I started looking at the Twitter reactions, Twitter really, in, in all honesty, Twitter is the only reason why I watched the show. And I'm glad I did because it's a great show and I highly recommend it. But I started thinking about blind spots in respect to the Netflix show, Love is Blind. And for those of you who have not watched Love is Blind and have no intention of watching Love is Blind, which I suggest you do, but it's fine, whatever, it's a free country. Basically, the show is centered around testing this hypothesis of whether or not love is truly blind. So basically, they want to know if you can fall in love with someone without actually seeing them. And they take a bunch of millennials and they put them in these things called pods. And you cannot see the person who you're speaking to. So they pair men, men and women together. And they put them in these pods. You can't see. The only thing you can do is hear. So the idea is that you're going to sit in these pods for X amount of time and try to get the per- get to know the person on the other side. So basically what they are trying to create is a space where you can get to know someone without actually physically looking at them. And the purpose of the show is, or at least the purpose of the pods is that you're going to get to a point where you have quote unquote fallen in love with someone without seeing them. The man or the woman is going to propose to that person. If that person accepts, then you're going to get to see that person that you paired with, that you're engaged to. And then you guys are going to be whisked away to this like beautiful resort on this like island. And then subsequently after that, you are going to go back into your quote unquote real life, in your real world, in your real city, and try to see if the relationship will work. The whole show is basically takes us from them in the pods to their quote-unquote wedding that is supposed to, I don't know why that's a quote-unquote because it was a wedding, whatever, but their, their marriage, their wedding day, and at the wedding day, they decide whether or not this is the person that they want to be with. Now, some uh, one couple or some people don't even make it through the pods. Some people don't make it through the honeymoon. And some people end up not choosing to stay married or not choosing to be together at the altar. Okay. So in thinking about blind spots and thinking about love is blind, um, I started thinking about how certain blind spots in certain people, or at least three people on the show, prevented them from experiencing love and companionship. And I picked three. 
um, because I thought three uh, was going to be a good number for me to kind of go through this kind of like exercise and talk about them, but also kind of give a recap of the show. But I picked three of the people on the show and I talked about how their blind spot per se um, inhibited them from being able to find love and being able to be in a healthy relationship and probably is what is keeping them from being in a healthy relationship at this present time as well. So the first person that I wanted to talk about was Mark. Y'all, Mark (laughs) is every single guy that sits in friend zone at this very moment. Mark is like the person who you friend zoned back in high school, but still be trying to talk to you now that y'all have graduated and moved on with y'all. Mark is so sweet. He was so nice. So to give you guys a little bit of context about Mark. So Mark and Jessica were the two couples that ended up quote unquote falling in love in the pods. So once you fall in love in the pods, the producers of the show will then basically put you in Uh, this honeymoon or put you on this honeymoon vacation and you and the person who you have now proposed to in the pods will go to Mexico and, you know, I guess spend more time together before you actually have to subsequently go back to your place of residence. So all of the people that were on the show lived in Atlanta and they all went to vacation in Mexico, but they didn't know that they were all going to be in Mexico together. So Mark was 24 and he ended up falling in love with this girl named Jessica. Jessica's a hot mess and we're going to get to her in a little bit. But Mark ended up falling in love with Jessica. Jessica was 34 years old, 10 years older than him. And he ended up proposing to her in the pods and she ended up saying yes. Now that proposal did not come with this own set of issues and problems because Mark was feeling Jessica from the very beginning, right? He had no problem with proposing to Jessica after they talked, you know, at length or went out on a couple of dates. That's what they call them, dates. So Mark was ready. Mark was primed. He was ready to propose to Jessica. Jessica, on the other hand, was feeling this guy named Barnett. And she made that known to Mark that she was going on a couple of dates with other guys. She didn't say who it was, but she said that she was interested in another guy who, and they had been going out on dates and basically broke up with Mark in the pods and was like, peace out. I'm about to get married to Barnett. I'm out. Then Barnett decided to not marry Jessica. He decided to talk and marry and propose to this girl named Amber. And so he told Jessica, nah, girl, I know you thought that I was going to propose to you, but actually I'm not. Peace out. So what does Jessica do? Jessica goes back to Mark and, you know, says her little sob story about how she was misled and she thought she wanted him, but she really wants Mark and she wants to work it out with him. They end up, Mark ends up taking her back. Bruh. Ends up proposing to her. She says yes. They meet for the first time and they are whisked whisked away to Mexico. So that was far. So for me, in my opinion, 
Mark's first blind spot was what happened in the pods. He was so blinded by the fact that he wanted Jessica. He did not care that Jessica had basically dumped him for this other guy. And then when the other guy rejected her, she went back to basically her second option. So Mark, I feel like, was very much blinded by wanting Jessica, but also as the show progressed, Mark, we come to find out that Mark is just simply a hopeless romantic. He is that guy that just wants to be in love. He wants to be married. He is like the quintessential nice guy. I mean, this is the guy that has been sitting in your friend zone for at least the last decade. And he hasn't left because he just wants to be in love. And so I feel like Mark was completely blinded by the fact that he just wanted to be in love. He just wanted to be married and he was going to do whatever it took to be married to Jessica at the end of that at the end of that show. I feel like Mark is a lot of us in a way where we fall in love with the idea of someone and the potential of someone, but we don't necessarily see all of the things that that person is actually doing to us. We fall in love with what we feel like we would want that person to be like. Mark was falling in love with the idea of Jessica. He was not falling in love with who Jessica really was. Jessica was showing Mark exactly who the kind of person she was from the first day they met until the last day at the altar. And it's hard for me to kind of say like, oh, well, Mark was just a sweet guy that was taken advantage of. No, I feel like Mark, Mark did not have a true blind spot in that scenario. Mark did not want to see the things that were right in front of him. He did not want to take into consideration the red flags. He did not want to take in consideration that Jessica had consistently and time and time again, not only rejected him, but continued to create barriers and imaginary obstacles and create reasons for why they would never work out and never be together. I think for Mark, Mark was blinded by the increasing desire he had to be married. And he was also blinded by the idea of who he wanted Jessica to be. Jessica was not who he wanted to marry. Jessica was basically someone who had over and over again rejected him. And so for me, Mark's blind spot was not really a blind spot, but it was his inability to look at the situation for what it is and not what he wanted it to be, and in turn, make a decision valuing himself, choosing himself, and not allowing one person to make him feel like he is just an option when he should be the first pick. So the second person that I feel like was just blinded, Lord, was Carlton. And Carlton, there are just so many layers to Carlton's story. Carlton and Diamond were the only couple that 
matched up in the pods, but they did not make it through the honeymoon vacation in Mexico. And he proposed to Diamond. And then when they saw each other physically, they were still okay with being together. They were still, they were talking about how good each other looked, all of that good stuff. So the one thing about Carlton that we did not know in the very beginning is that Carlton is bisexual, but he didn't tell Diamond that in the pods. He didn't tell Diamond that until he got to Mexico. And there are so many layers surrounding the LGBTQ community. And maybe later on um, in my podcast tenure, I'll talk about some of those issues with someone who was a part who is a part of that community. But I'm just talking about for me, Carlton, I'm just talking about him and his relationship to Diamond and his blind spots. So I'm just gonna focus on that. I feel like Carlton was blinded by his want and need to feel accepted. And that was very apparent, even listening to the different things he said about himself while he was talking about who he was, but also talking about his past relationships and also seeing how him and Diamond unraveled. Um, So from the show, Carlton shared with the audience that he wanted to be Hugh Hefner back in the day. I guess he wanted to be a player. And then he also shared with us that he was a preacher's kid. So I was already confused because I was just like, okay, you want to be Hugh Hefner on one hand, but you also came, you know, your father is also a preacher or a pastor. Okay, that's interesting. So then he says, um, after he proposed to Diamond, he revealed to us, the audience, that he was bisexual. And I feel like the reason why he waited is because he did not want Diamond to reject him in the beginning. He didn't want Diamond to basically say, you know, that's not something that I'm really into. I'm not really comfortable dating someone that identifies as bisexual. I'm cool. And I think it's because Carlton just wanted to be accepted. And that was also very apparent when he told Diamond in Mexico, but then also like spazzed out on her when she was trying to get a better understanding of why he didn't tell her, why he didn't feel comfortable sharing that with her in the pods. And his only response really that I heard was he didn't want her to judge him for the way he identified sexually. And I think for me, Diamond, what Diamond said resonated with me a lot because she was just kind of saying, that is a part of who you are. And part of the experience and part of the experiment is to get to know someone without seeing them physically. Your sexuality is a part of who you are. It doesn't matter if you don't think it's that big of a deal, right? It doesn't matter how how big or how small you think that part of you is. It is still something that is a part of you. And I think she was just trying to wrap her head around one, that, you know, the idea or him, you know, confiding in her that he was bisexual, but also trying to 
reconcile that with why didn't you tell me in the beginning? And I feel like that was, you know, she probably felt felt lied to. She felt, she probably felt betrayed. So I think Carlton's blind spot, or Carlton rather, was blinded by his need and want to be accepted. And for that, I empathize with him. For that, I empathize with Carlton because we all have a desire to be accepted by our peers and we all have a desire to be accepted by our family and our friends. And for Carlton, he probably felt that him having or being in a heterosexual relationship would allow not only his family to accept him and his friends to accept him, but for him to be able to accept himself. And that, to me, I resonate with that a lot. Because we all do things to be socially accepted. Let I'm, you know, I I have done things to be socially accepted. I have done things in relationships to be socially accepted and to be accepted by my partner. So for that, Carlton, I completely empathize with him. So I definitely think that Carlton was blinded by his need for acceptance. And now we get to Jessica. Poor Jessica. (laughs) Lord, Jessica is all of 34 years old. Like, girl, listen, I'm about to spend the most time on Jessica because she, Jessica was too much and not enough at the same time. (laughs) Girl was... Sis was all over the place. Like, okay. So let let me start off what I feel like Jessica was blinded by. I feel like Jessica was blinded by the way she saw her future husband. And she could not get that image out of her mind. Or I think Jessica, or rather, I think Jessica was blinded by the way she thought her life should be and the way she thought her life was going to be. And I think she could not get over that. She could not get out of her own way because I think she was so blinded by how she thought her future husband was supposed to look like, how she thought she was going to meet her future husband, what age her future husband was going to be, what occupation he was going to be. Baby, Baby girl was blinded by a lot of things, okay? I think it comes from Jessica having a low sense of self-awareness. Sis is not self-aware. I mean, she was all over the place. She was like, (laughs) like she was just too much. So let me throw her a bone really quickly. I empathize with Jessica to the extent that Society has placed on women, particularly women at a certain age, that they need to have it together, right? You need to be married. You need to have your child or your two kids. You need to be in your single family home with your white picket fence. And I understand the pressure Jessica probably felt at being 34 having a very successful career 
and not being in or not having the partner that would have fit in her storybook fairy tale ending, right? So to that, Jessica, I completely empathize with you. And I completely understand why she was so against Mark. So Jessica and Mark, like I said before, paired together. Mark proposed to her in the pod. They saw each other. That was a whole thing because Jessica, when she saw Mark, was pretending as if she was very happy with the way Mark looked physically, right? But then later on in the show, we find out that Jessica is not attracted to Mark physically because Mark is not her type, right? Mark is not tall, athletic, you know, the age in which she thought her future partner would be. He's none of those things, right? Mark is 24. He is short. And maybe he's not even short, y'all. Y'all, I really don't know how Mar- how tall Mark is. Because Mark on the show looks so much shorter, but does but also the guys on the show probably were just that much taller. I don't really think he was short. He looked average height. I think the average height of a man is 5'10. Mark looked like he was 5'10. But I think all of the other guys were probably six feet and above. And so he looked shorter standing next to them. But I don't know if he was really actually that short. Anyway, back to Jessica. So Jessica, girl, Jessica, there's just so many things to unpack with Jessica. And I look at her and I really see someone who is struggling with the idea of being single in 34 and her life, at least her love life, not playing out the way she wanted it to, but also dealing with rejection from a man she was really into. Um, And that was Barnett. So Jessica and Barnett had a connection in the pods and Barnett had a connection with three girls. Jessica was one of them. And he told Jessica that he could definitely see himself proposing to her, but he did not propose to her. He just said he could definitely see himself proposing to her. Jessica really liked Mark, uh, um, not Mark, Lord. Jessica really liked Barnett. And so she runs and goes, tells Mark that her and Barnett, and you know, she didn't say this, but this is my interpretation. This is Zita's interpretation. <laughs> she goes and tells Mark that basically her and Barnett are about to be together. And, you know, forget all that stuff he was talking about because she is about to run off in the sunset with Barnett. And then Barnett tells her that uh, he's good on her, <laughs> that he's about to go and propose to Amber. Um, and, they're about, and they are about to go run off in the, sunset, in the sunset. And so obviously Jessica is devastated. So Jessica decides that she's going to accept Mark's proposal and like basically waste, waste this man's time. That I, I really do believe that Jessica was wasting Mark's time in 2020. Like I do, I don't think she had any intention of marrying that man. It was clear 
it was clear she had no intention of marrying Mark. She had all kind of excuses, honey. First, the first excuse was the age. Mark was 24. She was 34. 10 years. It's going to be a lot for her family and her friends to accept. She doesn't know how they're going to get past that in the real world. She kept on talking about what they were going to do in the real world. First of all, This is how I knew Jessica really was not feeling him. Because you will come up with all kinds of excuses when you don't like somebody. Barnett was 28. I'm confused. Where? How? How, Sway? Barnett is 28. He's still younger than you. And you knew Barnett was 28. But you had a problem with Mark, who was 24? Make it make sense, Jessica. Just, like, make it make sense. So that was her first gripe. Her second gripe was Mark. She wasn't physically attracted to Mark. Mark is not her typical type. She typically goes for the kind of tall, athletic build guys. And he was not that. He was short. Um, He was athletic, but he was short and he was dark haired. And I think she said said something how she dates blondes or something like that or brown haired guys or something. And then the third thing was... um, Oh, the third thing was his family. Would his family accept her? You know, Mark is Latino. She's white. You know, he seems to be very close to his mom. Would his mom accept her? That like she maybe she had a whole list of things and a whole list of reasons why she couldn't marry Mark. And I think it all stemmed from Jessica's own idea of how she wanted her life her love life to play out. And how many times? I mean, I've been there. I and so I've been where Jessica is. I have I have literally had a picture of what I wanted my partner to look like. And I have found that person that physically met all of the things that I wanted my partner to look like and it didn't work out. It was awful. It ended terribly. And so I think Jessica really lacked, first of all, she lacked a level of self-awareness that I have not seen in a long time in someone who's 34. But also, I think she was just blinded by this like fairy tale and how in this idea and all this plan and this vision of how she wanted her life to be. And she couldn't get past that. Because that whole age thing, when she brought it up to her friends at um at that restaurant. Her friends were like, oh, that's cool. Like, okay, he's younger than you, so what? They had no problems, no issues. She made that whole big fuss about her friends. She was so concerned about what her friends would say that, and that was one of the reasons why she couldn't get past Mark being so much younger than she was, and her friends had no problem. God bless her. On the reunion, she said she did a lot of work on herself, which I really hope she did. And you know what would have been a bomb therapy session for her? If her therapist would have uh, videotaped or DVR Love is Blind, and they would have walked through every single episode and talked about the different things and the different behaviors she exhibited and where that stems from. Because, sis, whoo. 
I don't think she's ready to be in anybody's relationship if you ask me. And she's not asking me, but I'm just saying. Jessica, if you ever listen to this, honey, we all have to let go of the fairy tales and the dreams that we had. We have to let that go sometimes, especially when they are not doing us any service, right? They are actually negatively impacting our life. And that's what I really would or wish that Jessica would realize is that sometimes our dreams and the fairy tales that we have concocted in our head are so much more harmful than they are beneficial. And they can get in the way of a lot of things. And so I really do feel like Jessica was blinded by her fairy tale of her husband and her white picket fence and her two and a half kids. Um, and I and I think all of the people that I talked about were blinded in some way by society, by the societal pressures of having it all figured out. And so the one thing that I want to leave people who are currently in their 20s is that do not be blinded by what society or how society feels you should be or where society feels like you should be socially, economically, and relationally. It's not real. It's not real. Do not allow self-sabotage or for you to basically ignore red flags that could potentially be detrimental to your life just because society says you should be married or society says you should be one way or another or society says you shouldn't date somebody that's younger than you. Like, don't fall for the trap. Do not fall for the trap. It is not real. If you do not have it all figured out by 26, you will be a-okay. If you don't have it all figured out by 30, you will be fine. So I think that's the one thing that, that's the biggest takeaway from all of this is that all three of these people were blinded by societal pressures and expectations. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for tuning in today. Please comment, 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 comment on this episode. Tell me what you thought about each and every person that I talked about today. Talk to me about Love is Blind. I have talked to my friends at length about this show. It's a great show. Definitely has a dramatic factor. Um, and talk to me about that one couple. When they broke up at the altar, I couldn't even, I, w- I didn't even know anything about them. What was it, Kelly and Kevin? Kelly and Ken? Whoever. They were so unmemorable. I could not, <laughs> I didn't even know, like, I don't even remember really any of their story. But yes, yes, yes. Comment on our, on our Instagram. DM me. Email me, tweet me, tell me what you thought about Love is Blind. Tell me about some blind spots that you thought were blind spots, but really those were things that you were intentionally and purposefully not looking at. And also message me. Tell me about those things. Let's talk. Let's discuss about that. Let's talk about how we can overcome those things together. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Love and light.